Hey everybody, it's Adam. Just wanted to let you know that this week we're not doing a regular episode of the Film Find, though this uh, will be very Film Find-esque in its uh, uh, manner. It's going to be very much like a regular Film Find episode, but this is actually the first episode of our new podcast called the Hero Movie Podcast, and it's at heromoviepodcast.com. A couple weeks ago, myself, Sean Keenan, and Bruce Leslie reviewed uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. We liked it so much and liked, uh, you know, kind of hanging with each other. And uh, we decided, hey, let's do a podcast where we just review superhero movies. Uh, so that's going to be on the feed this week uh, in place of a regular Film Find episode, which Amazing Spider-Man 2 is what we're reviewing. And that's what, what we would have reviewed on the regular Film Find podcast. So, you know, basically you get what exactly, this, you know, would have been there anyways. But uh, so our superhero movies and stuff, we're going to be doing that on a completely different uh, feed and everything. Uh, we may throw one up on the regular film find if we don't uh, you know, have different things to do, but whatever. Uh, so just wanted to let you know that's why this episode is a little bit different from the other episodes that you've been hearing and uh, why things are the way that they are. But uh, you'll, you'll find out it's very much uh, like the regular film find podcast, just a lot less cursing. <laughs> so uh, hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'll be back next week with our, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll be back next week with our regular scheduled program. Uh, thanks so much, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of the Hero Movie Podcast. I am your host, Adam Portress, and I am here. Uh, we this, this show is interesting because uh, it came about uh, with uh, three guys who love comics, who love movies, and, you know, we decided, hey, we're going to turn this into a full... Full-blown superhero podcast, so I have today with me Sean Keenan, a frequent guest on my regular podcast, The Film Fine. Hello, sir. Hi. And, of course, uh, the other man, whom, which we uh, had on our podcast, The Film Find, at thefilmfind.com. So that's our that's my initial podcast. This is our, uh, I guess we could say, the second podcast in the quote-unquote Film Find podcast network. I've started a network, as, as <laughs> yes. or... Or as so as I say, uh, <laughs> that's the empire the, is building. Yeah, so you know that's that's nice is you can just basically you know make up your own rules and just go hey uh, yeah I got a network now so uh, how about that? <laughs> but uh, he came on our uh, podcast uh, we're talking about the uh, the Captain America the Winter Soldier. Uh, he is back, Bruce Leslie from the Heroes and Villains podcast. Welcome, sir. Hey, it's good to be back again, or back for the first time, I suppose, since this is sort of a new thing. Kind of depend upon how you look at it, really. Let me make sure yes. I got all my levels and stuff here, right? Oh, man. It is, uh, it, it, this is going to be, like I said, this is, it's interesting, it's new, it's different for us. Uh, let's go, uh, let's start with, uh, with you, Sean, and kind of tell us who you are and uh, your kind of relationship to comics and movies and everything else like that. Well, my name is Sean Keenan. I am a cancer. I love, <laughs> I love I love comic books. I've loved comic books since I was a kid. I am well versed in comic books, um, and I can't believe that we are in this era 
of comic book movies. And it's like every week there's a new one coming out, and I couldn't be happier. Indeed. And uh, Bruce, what about you, sir? Well, uh, you know, I'm uh, over at the Heroes and Villains podcast, uh, the podcast I've been doing for about a year and a half now. We take uh, one uh, superhero and kind of dive into it, sometimes a villain, dive into it for like anywhere from an hour to two hours. And I mean, we just uh, cover everything you can imagine. And part of what we cover are uh, the multimedia appearances where we get to talk about some of the movies and television shows uh, that they've been in. And that's gotten to be one of my favorite parts of the show. So I think the opportunity to just kind of focus on that aspect of things is uh, pretty exciting. And as far as my connection with comic books and superheroes, you know, the my favorite television show when I was uh, as far back as I can remember was Super Friends. And then when I got a little bit more mature, I moved into The Incredible Hulk and Wonder Woman, and I've just stuck in the genre ever since then. So I'm really, really enjoying what's been going on for the past uh, few years here with this uh, renaissance, if you will, for the superhero film. Bruce, if you, if you were going to pick one episode of your podcast that everyone should listen to is, hey, this is what we do, what would you choose? Well, that's a tough question. You know, it's like uh, all my children, when people ask me, which one do you love most? I say Silas. But besides that, <laughs> I guess the, the episode that I would really want people to listen to, it's, it's good quality. It got a lot of positive feedback. It's probably Buffy the Vampire Slayer because it covers uh, sort of a lot of broad topics. We get to talk about television, movies, and comic books quite a bit in that one. Had a great co-host, uh, a young lady named Rachel Pandich, who's actually an indie comic book writer. And uh, that's one of my favorites. It's one of a lot of people's favorites, too. Excellent. Uh, yeah, seriously, guys, if you haven't listened to uh, Heroes and Villains podcast, check that out. It's heroesandvillains.lipson.com, correct? Yep. Excellent. Well, I am Adam Portress. Uh, I've uh, I've been hosting the Film Find for maybe, I guess in earnest, a bit over a year. We've kind of had some on and off times, but uh, uh, more, more on than off recently, thankfully. Um, but, uh, yeah, I am... I'm a huge movie guy and a super huge... I'm a pretty huge comic book geek because, really, I am a second-generation geek. I am... uh, My dad grew up in in the boom of the comics industry, you know, in the early 60s and stuff. So, and he has comics going all the way back then, of which I've read a ton as a kid. And uh, there's never been a time where we didn't have nerdy stuff going on in our house. There was never a time where there weren't, you know, comic books and Star Wars and Star Trek. It's I don't know a world where that doesn't exist. So I, I count myself very lucky uh, as far as that goes because I know there's a lot of people that had to go and dig and find this stuff for themselves. And I, like sometimes I take for granted how lucky I am to have had that stuff kind of spoon fed to me as a kid. How but, the hell? How the hell are you married? Listen to you. <laughs> that is very true. I mean, Good you, God Almighty. Between that and you look around and it's just like all the posters and comics and records and movies and stuff. It, it really is. It's a, it's amazing that any woman can stand my presence for more than 20 minutes. <laughs> well, actually, Gwen Stacy um, was in the original comic book. And- <laughs> you don't understand. Uh, but uh, So basically, the three of us got together. We did the Captain America, the Winter Soldier podcast on uh, the Film Find. You can find it at thefilmfind.com. Uh, it's going to be, that's a lot more salty than this podcast is going to be. We're going to be very PG rated <laughs> here. Awesome. Salty is a salty. great, and that's that's a Captain America type word too, I think. <laughs> it was a salty, Absolutely, it's a salty yeah. podcast. <laughs> uh, so be prepared for that. That's an explicit rating on iTunes. This is going to be a, a, a clean rating. We're uh, we're going to try to keep this a little more family friendly so everybody, you know, we're not going to be, we're not going to dumb it down or anything for sure, but uh, we're certainly not going to be uh, dropping them like I normally do. 
so anyways, uh, we decided, you know, Sean brought up a great uh, thought when we were finished with that show. It's like, that that was really fun. Is there any show out there, is there any podcast out there that talks about superhero movies exclusively? I did a little bit of searching and everything, and there were a couple that kind of purported themselves to be that, but really turned out they were kind of just more geek-related type podcasts. None of them so really... they're liars? They're a bunch of liars. Saying, you guys are lying. And uh, so I decided, you know what? Forget that, man. We're going to go and we're going to do that. We're going to be as far as my, as to my knowledge, So, and that's limited on a lot of things. But as far as my knowledge goes, we are the only podcast out there right now that is going to be doing exclusively superhero movie-related material. So uh, every month we're going to come and we're going to give you a brand new uh, release that's out in theaters. Or if there's not one, we're going to be talking about a, uh, a quote-unquote classic uh, comic book movie, be it, you know, all the way from like Superman, maybe something even before that, or, you know, all the way up to, you know, what happened last, you know, month and a half. So maybe Dark Man 2. Maybe we do Dark Man 2. Oh, yes. <laughs> it could be anything. Yes. Thankfully, they're only 12 months of the year and we have to kind of prioritize <laughs> certain things. But uh, yeah, so uh, today's podcast, our first ever podcast, uh, we're going to be reviewing. I wish it was. I wish it was Captain America, but that was that may have been a little bit too glowing. Uh, hopefully, we have some very interesting things to say about today's movie. Today's movie is the Amazing Spider-Man Two, the newest movie out in theaters right now, directed by Mark Webb, written some would say to its chagrin by Kurtzman and Orsi. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment, but uh, let's just go ahead and take a listen to the trailer for The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Every day I wake up knowing that the more people I try to save, the more enemies I will make. And it's just a matter of time before I face those with more power than I can overcome. I'm so sorry, I'm late. I had a traffic thing. Did your traffic jam have anything to do with being, I don't know, shot at by machine guns? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, that was implying, that was implying that. Peter <laughs> Park, there he is, boy. You're gonna wanna see this. Oscorp. Get you under surveillance. Why? Isn't that the question of the day? There's something you're not telling me, Aunt May. I once told you that secrets have a cost. The truth does too. My name is Richard Parker. I have discovered what Oscorp was going to use my research for. I have a responsibility to protect the world from what I know they're capable of. The future. We literally can change the world. What about Peter? Not everyone has a happy ending. This is bigger than you, Peter. I made a choice. This is my path. Everyone in the city would know how it feels to live in a world without power, without mercy, without Spider-Man. Spider-Man. 
right, everybody, that was the trailer for The Amazing Spider-Man 2, directed by Mark Webb, out in theaters this week. Uh, gentlemen, before we, actually, before we get into this proper, uh, let's, let's first talk about Spider-Man real quick, and then we'll jump into our first thoughts about the movie, or the, the, the first of the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Uh, Sean, we'll go with you first. Okay. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by the first Amazing Spider-Man, only because I had heard how bad it was, so I just avoided it like the plague. And I and I still hated, I, I, and I still hate to this day the the third Spider-Man in the Raimi movies. And so I went into this one with open eyes, and and there was there was no there, I, I didn't have a moment where I was like, oh man, I can't believe Amazing Spider-Man Two is coming. I can't believe it. I can't believe it because I you know I know what these movies are. They're they're not they're they're not as great as some of the Marvel movies have been. But you know they're they're the best word I can use to describe them is adequate. They're they're very adequate movies. I think that the end for the first Spider-Man movie is ridiculous, <laughs> but and it's it's really really poor. Um, so with with Amazing Spider-Man two, I went in not really expecting a whole lot, and uh, I was well rewarded for that. <laughs> hmm. Bruce, what were your what were your thoughts on the first Amazing Spider-Man film? Well, I'll be honest; the first one fell flat with me. Um, you know, it just didn't uh, it, it 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 didn't seem terrible. I mean, it's not one of those movies that would hold up as an example of like a really bad superhero movie, but it also just didn't stick with me. It was very forgettable, uh, and and I only saw it the one that time. That is a good I, point, man. I, I saw it in the theater when it came out uh, opening weekend, and I never bothered to see it again since then. So uh, unlike – I guess, Sean, you said you had sort of uh, low expectations going into this. But for some reason, I, I just felt like this was going to be better. And when I went to see it, I still feel like it's better than the first one. I, I feel like it's significantly better than the first one, though not everyone agrees with me on that point. Um but, you know, the first Spider-Man movie, honestly, I'm not lying here. The power was out in my house for 10 days that summer, and it was like 100 degrees, and the movie theater had air conditioning, so it was like a throwback to the old days of <laughs> coming saying, in, we have 40. air conditioning. <laughs> and, Let's uh, go for the Nickelodeon! And I was probably kind of miserable, not in the best state of mind when I saw it, so maybe I would have enjoyed it under different circumstances. In fact, I probably should go back and watch it again and give it another shot, but I didn't like the first one. I liked the second one. Well, as far as the first Amazing Spider-Man, uh, I I liked it a lot. I wasn't you know, you know I wasn't super thrilled with it, but uh, they did a lot more right than wrong, and uh, that's 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 kind of what I I liked overall. It, it had a decent feeling to it. I, I liked how uh, they corrected what seemed to me to be corrected a lot of things that they kind of got wrong. In the uh, in the Raimi version, uh, first of all, those being of course the web shooters. Second of all, is just kind of like how Spidey is a bit more. He's he's more like he is in the comics. He's very quippy, and well, uh, that and, really and was lacking in the one original said, Raimi you know, Spider-Man. One thing I said immediately after seeing the first one was I liked what they did with uh, Spider-Man better, but I just didn't like Garfield as Peter Parker very much in the first one. Hmm. Now, see, I actually liked him a bit more than I liked Tobey Maguire as Spider. I like kind of the idea of to Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man, but overall, he never really it never really felt like he kind of pulled that off to me. Are we, we talking Spider-Man or Peter Parker? Well, either, really. <laughs> okay, okay, that's just wanted to clarify. Go ahead, Sean. 
I was going to say you you love the idea. You're not in love with the idea. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it it works for me to a degree. I mean, I I liked how you know uh, Tobey Maguire was very kind of nerdy and stuff, but it just I I don't know. I'm like I, I like him as an actor, but maybe not in that particular role. But uh, so I went into Amazing Spider-Man too. It was funny because all of the hype and stuff that I was reading, or really anti-hype, that I've been seeing from a lot of people, really most people were just like, "Oh, I'm so bored. I don't want to go to this movie. I am not, you know, excited for this thing at all." And I don't want to say that I was stoked beyond all belief or anything, but I kind of was looking forward to it. I thought, you know, I mean, if if superhero movies are to uh, tell us anything. Uh, over time, they've shown us that sequels usually outpace their original movies. Spider-Man yes. Two, it, you know, was one of the best examples of that. As good as the original Spider-Man movie was, the second Raimi Spider-Man w- still stands as probably one of the best superhero movies you know ever put out. And I and I think the the uh, sort of uh, the best example of that is comparing the Dark Knight to Batman Begins. Exactly. A I lot of times, it's nice to have you know you know all these stories show you know the origins and whatnot in, in the first movie, but once you get to the second movie, it's kind of like, hey, this is a good time. All of that kind of busy work is out of the way. Let's get down to business. Yeah, it's like it's like Short Circuit and Short Circuit Two. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, really there are always faults of Johnny Five there. Yeah, was it Johnny Five in New York, or was that in L.A. thing? I forget where he was at. That's been a long time since I've seen those flicks. But one thing I do want to say is kind of the current trend is not to put a number after a sequel. I'm kind of surprised they went with Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think they should have uh, went along the lines of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and called this the Amazing Spider-Man, uh, colon, when the hell does Rhino show up? <laughs> We'll we'll get to that in a moment, but uh, <laughs> uh, let's start. With, uh, so let's get into basically our kind of overall thoughts of the movie, and then we'll kind of break down further as to you know different. Uh, I, I, there are many. I've scoured the internet. There are a lot of nits to be picked, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna go over some of those and find out what our thoughts are on it. But uh, let's go, Bruce. Let's start with you. What are your overall thoughts of Spider Man Two? Did you enjoy it? Yes, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it better than the first one, as I said. I am much more comfortable with uh, Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker now than Hmm. I was the first time around. And, uh, you know, I think he does great as Spider-Man. I was really, really worried going into this that we were going to get some of the uh, villain overkill that we got in uh, uh, Sam Raimi's third film. And and thank goodness they don't do that. Hmm. And I guess we'll get into those particulars when we get into spoiler territory. But overall, you know, I saw this movie twice. I saw it in 3D, and then I saw it in, uh, you know, the regular 2D kind of uh, format. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I think it's fine. I think it's a fine movie. I don't have any uh, – I don't have a lot of negative things to say. Of course, I did think it was a little bit uneven, and we'll get to talk about those particulars more in a bit. But overall, it was enjoyable. I'll, I'll probably pick it up on uh, uh, DVD or Blu-ray or something one of these days. Cool. Sean? I liked it too. Um, I, I'm not overjoyed with the movie. There's a, I have, I have a, a great deal of problems with it. However, and I've said this from the beginning with the first Spider-Man movie. Uh, I'm sorry, the first Amazing Spider-Man movie. Get it right. Jeez. They, they, <laughs> they cast the, you know, Andrew Garfield aside. They, they are casting this, these movies a lot better. Like, you know, having, how about we make the love interest someone who is um what's the word i'm looking for attractive <laughs> yes. um, emma stone emma stone is beautiful 
and Snagglepuss from the Raimi movies. Why? Why are you? Why are you in pathos over this woman? <laughs> She's okay. She is. Uh, Christian she just Dunstan. she she looks like she has a chip on her shoulder, and I guess that's because she kind of did have a chip on her shoulder. I mean, when you look at some of the behind the scenes stuff that went on with Sam Raimi Spider Man, but uh, Emma Stone's just adorable all the way around, and they have great oh. chemistry for obvious reasons. Oh my, so attractive. <laughs> uh, although I will tell you that the without getting into it, the ending to this movie, I, I liked it a lot. I was surprised with how much I liked it actually. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't expect to because of the track record of these guys making these movies. It was pretty good. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into uh, kind of who made this thing and why uh, in just a little bit, but um, overall I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't think this is by any stretch a perfect movie or probably one of the better superhero movies that we've had in a long time. That's, that's not even really close to that. Uh, the way Marvel Studios has been doing things, uh, they've been really knocking out of the park right now. And I do want to make that delineation for people who may not be aware of sort of things. There are two different kind of bands out there as far as Marvel movies go right now. We have the Marvel Studios movies, of which you know we have Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, The Avengers. Those are all Marvel movies. Uh, Hulk as well. Those are all Marvel Studio movies, so that means that Marvel as a company kind of has its hand on every piece of that, so they can really mold and shape these things in the way that they want to have them. Now, we won't get in too much to all the kind of crazy rights sort of situation, but right now, as it stands, 20th Century Fox has all the X-Men and Fantastic Four, and Sony has Spider-Man. And so, but they, while they may be under the Marvel umbrella, and a lot of people see, you know, Marvel right at the big, you know, opening credit sequence and everything, you'll notice the lack of studios right underneath that. So that basically means that, you know, the studio itself doesn't have their hands on this. This really isn't, I don't want to say it's not Marvel approved, because I'm sure they have some Marvel people, you know, that can kind of, you yeah, know, give a thumbs uh, up. Rod's thumbs still down. credited as a uh, producer on it, one of the executive producers. Yeah, and I got but... problems with him, but well, that's a whole. That's almost another <laughs> podcast altogether, to be quite frank. And we'll actually get to that. That is a, that's a little something I want to talk about down the line. So please remind me of uh, of Avi Arad down the road here after uh, we kind of get going. But um, yeah, so. Th- be it not a Marvel Studios film, I think this is done uh, pretty well. I don't understand. There's a lot of uh, dislike for this movie on the internet. Uh, I understand why some of the things that people dislike about it. I, I get that, but I think some of the uh, more negative reviews, honestly, are pinning a lot of the stuff on you know kind of how the film wraps up and what Sony's wanting to do as a company, and not on the actual whole movie itself. And, and th- you know, when, when you look at something, too, like a Rotten Tomatoes score or whatever, you got to remember these critics just saw The Winter Soldier a couple weeks ago. So, so you know, you, you can't, a nothing's in to. a vacuum. Everything's, you know, in, in context. Absolutely. So, uh, let's, let's go ahead. Uh, I don't want to go so far as to say, like, spoilers, because, I mean, let's be honest here. If you know anything about comics or you've seen the first three Spider-Man movies, there's not a whole heck of a lot here that's going to surprise you. Am I right? I, I think there are a lot of people who don't know that much about Spider-Man other than the Sam Raimi movies. And uh, when faced with the similar situation that we face in the end, it, it works out differently in the first uh, Sam Raimi movie. So I think that it is fair to call it a spoiler. Yeah. I, I think a lot of folks uh, hopefully 
uh, are comfortable with it. I don't think it takes away from the movie, but there are going to be some people that don't get it. That is true, because now that you mentioned that, I do remember hearing people in the parking lot after really, you know, kind of scratching their head going, wow, couldn't I didn't believe, you know, that would happen. So actually, let's just go ahead. I don't have like an actual spoiler thing. Maybe somebody will make us one or I'll make one later. But uh, assume right now from this point out that uh, everything we do, everything we're going to be talking about is spoiler related with The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, again, I, if you're listening to this, chances are you probably saw it. And if you didn't, you may know already about a lot of this kind of stuff. So uh, let's just let's just jump into spoilers. Um, let's talk about the number one thing that I think is uh, let's just it's it's the uh, the elephant in the room, as it were, is is kind of the ending and the ramp up to everything with uh, not Norman Osborn becoming the Green Goblin, but Harry Osborn becoming the Green Goblin. And then, of course, everything kind of ramping up to what has been announced as a Sinister Six movie eventually. After I think after they're shooting Spider-Man 3. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of, boy, I have some questions to ask you guys about the Sinister Six whenever you guys want to talk about it, because I'm not sure where I see a standalone movie going with those guys. I don't know that anyone does. That's the weird part. Go ahead. I mean, what, do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, uh, you know, it, they made it obvious who some of the Sinister Six are going to be. I think we're going to have Harry there as the Green Goblin. We are going to have the Rhino, obviously, by the uh, mm-hmm. uh, scene that I think should have been a mid credit scene rather than where it was placed. Uh, we've also seen the Vulture's wings and Doc Ock's arms. Mm-hmm. But who are going to be uh, who are going to be our other two of the Sinister Six? Are they going to bring? Uh, I mean, Lizard's still in Ravencroft, right? Connors is locked yeah. up. He's not dead, so they could bring him back and then electro i mean you know he already has the powers of west craven shocker now so he could have uh, <laughs> gone into an electric line and he's going to come back out in time for the sequel so i, I think that's probably who the six are going to be but i didn't know if, i would love to see craven or see him bring in a new character but just curious what you guys think i could see where perhaps jamie fox wouldn't be the easiest one to lock up into a long-term deal you know for for a couple of extra movies mm. curious what you guys think well, I think I think definitely for uh, like like you said, I, I like Craven. I really enjoyed what they did with uh, Craven in the uh, Ultimate Spider-Man line. I thought that was a very kind of credible way to bring uh, you know Craven into the 21st century. Uh, so he is essentially kind of like a Steve Irwin type, where he has his own reality TV show where he goes out and hunts the most you know kind of dangerous game in the world, kills it, and brings it back for all this stuff. And he decides, hey, I'm going to go hunt the most elusive game of all, the Spider-Man. So he goes to New York City to go and get Spider-Man and makes it a big kind of giant deal on his reality show. And I think that's a very, it's like, that's an origin story that you can tell in three seconds. That's from the Ultimate Comics, Correct. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they really don't even need so much of an origin story with them because it's already clear that this man in the shadows who we're yet to figure out exactly who he is has uh, been assigned by Harry to put the Sinister Six together. So we could simply say this is one of the uh, most uh, uh, most talented big game hunters, but at the same time he's really desperate for cash, so he'd be perfect for your team. I mean, it could be just that simple and bring him in. Yeah, there's he doesn't so even have many to make easy, personal ways, Spider-Man. easy ways to go about that for sure. Sean, who would you like to see? Are you a Mysterio guy? No, I hate Mysterio. Oh, you hate uh, Mysterio. Mysterio I is hate- like Mysterio could be so great because he is theatrical, man. But he is theatrical. You're right. But I, I have I, I can't stand dream sequences and in, in, in movies and TV shows. And I think there'd be a whole lot of that with Mysterio. I, I also think there'd be a lot of double fakes, which makes me crazy. Hmm. Um, I, I I think that. 
the, the lineup is pretty good uh, the way you guys have it so far. The only difference to me would be somebody like Jackal. Like, I, I'd like to see Jackal. Hmm. Um, the character who, uh, it, it, he, he lives in the sewers, right? He's, he eats rats and, and things and of that nature. I just saved myself from cursing. <laughs> Good job. Uh, Good job. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I think that, uh, um, I think he might be cool if, as long, if they, if they're not going to lock in lizard to have a character like that. I, I think that they need to have. A, I think you're right with Craven. They need to have a guy that isn't so tech heavy because they're going to have no less than four guys who will be very tech heavy. Um, but, but they're but sort of it, working that Oscorp angle, though, too. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, they really are. Um, the, I can tell you who I don't want to see is I do not want to see a clone of Peter Parker as oh, one of the centers. Heavens, no. And uh, probably it's safe to say Venom's not. I mean, he's already uh, shown that we're not ready for him in the uh, big screen, perhaps. And they're they're trying to work Venom though for a standalone movie, so I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't know. I think one of the big problems with in, in Spider-Man Three with Venom really comes down to the fact that Sam Raimi went on record many a time saying he was not a fan of Venom, he didn't like Venom. So going in, Venom was already very much at a disadvantage because that's not something Raimi really wanted to do. The studio kind of gave him the you have to do this. Put this guy in here. He's, you know, Spider-Man's, you know, most, you know, arguably his most famous, uh, you know, foe. You got to put him in this movie. And he was like, I don't really want to do it, but you're making me do it, so I got to do it. And, you know, being the opposite of what we said about Craven, how simple it is to introduce Craven, you really have to develop Venom. I mean, he's got to start out as the symbiote that uh, somehow Peter Parker wears for a while, and then you've got to have the Eddie Brock angle. So there's a lot of character development that has to go into Venom. So... It might not be a good choice. My guess is, like, if they did do a Venom, they would probably have to tackle that in Spider-Man 3. And, and, and as is my recollection, they're shooting Spider-Man 3 first, and then they're going to do the Sinister Six movie. And Spider-Man 3 will be Mark Webb's uh, final Spider-Man movie. He says, after this, I'm out. But... Um, that's the thing. So we got. I mean, you know, we all. There's a lot of nice speculation about this Sinister Six kind of thing. But let's be let's let's be honest here. It's a long way away from actually happening. Uh, so it's it's going to be at least like what 2016, 2017 before that even happens. And you know, Drew Goddard's he's doing the uh, he, he he's written the script right now. I'm not sure. I can't remember if he's uh, slated to direct or not. But he's at least writing the script. He's the guy who's going to be doing uh, the uh, Daredevil uh, television show that's coming up for Marvel. He's show running that. Okay. And okay. uh, he directed, or uh, he wrote like Cloverfield and uh, Cabin in the Woods, things like that. Uh, so he's a, he's a talented guy, but I don't. It's yet to be seen. We're a long ways off, so it's a lot of like kind of crazy speculation. Let's talk real quick about how we've gotten to to this Sinister Six moment, though. And I think this is where a lot of critics and fans are really kind of giving this film the shaft is in its kind of ramp up at the end. Now. When I saw, I, I got the uh, Amazing Spider-Man on Blu-ray. It was on sale last week at Best Buy for like 20 bucks, and they gave you $10 worth of uh, movie money. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to go see Spider-Man 2 anyway. Might as well get this. <laughs> yes. So I watched all the behind-the-scenes stuff, and they said some very interesting things about how, you know, the, the Raimi films tended to go super quick. And, you know, they it's like, okay, he's Spider-Man. All right, he's graduated. Okay, he's in college. All right, he's out in the real world. So they went super fast, and they were like, we want to kind of take 
Peter and stretch them out, you know, keep them in high school a little while longer. And what's the first thing that we do in this movie? He's graduating, graduating high school. Yeah. I really thought that's a giant misstep on their part. I would have loved to see at least one more movie where he was in high school and had to deal with those problems that make Spider-Man Spider-Man. But Andrew Garfield can't he doesn't look like a high school kid anymore. He looks he doesn't look he, he's he's 30 years old but he does not look 30. He looks no. maybe like I mean he he I honest to god I've seen some kids he could pass for 19 easy. And and but Luke it, for heaven's it, sake Luke at, Perry was 45 years old in 90210. That's exactly so. where I'm going with this is that you know you're what are you going to have a 45 year old Peter Parker hey I'm graduating. No just through you, this you, movie. Just through oh, this movie, and then shoot a graduation scene at, at the end of this schedule, and then you know join back up, you know, two years later while he's in college or something. Okay, that's, I think that's I think that's a very easy fix that they could have kind of extended this out for a little bit longer. You know, none of us you know have a, a aging stasis or anything, but I, I think <laughs> you can and, pull and, these and people you know out the, a little uh, while longer. They could have been. They could have even just manipulated the script a little bit where the the uh, the final sort of scene that will be shocking to some people that involves uh, uh, the Green Goblin finally uh, confronting Gwen and Spider-Man. That could have been graduation day and they're actually missing their graduation because of all this. You know, they could have could have made it so by the end of the movie he's graduated, but at least we get to see kind of the high school Peter Parker for a couple more hours. And I'll be honest with you, I was I, I, I wish they would have actually, you know, just let Gwen even survive this movie and kill her off in three. Man, would that, I mean, like, as much impact as it had now, no pun intended, uh, how much more impact would have been had she survived two whole movies, well, two and a half, once you get up to the point where she dies in three. I think, you know, as well as we've built their relationship in these movies... And this one especially, and I think Mark Webb's the perfect guy to do that uh, because he did such a great job. I mean, a great relationship movie they directed was 500 Days of Summer before he did the first Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man movie. Um, so he develops this relationship really well, and I think even if we gave that even one more movie, it would have stretched out even better. We could have slowed down the reveal of, 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 of Harry being the uh, Green Goblin and things could have been just paced a little bit better. I mean, that's that's ultimately the, where my kind of, I guess, problems with it would happen to lie. The only theory I can come up with is that Mark Webb really wants to to have his hands in the pot when Mary Jane gets introduced and to, to be able to uh, sort of tell the story of the conflicted Peter Parker with uh, what happened to Gwen and should he get close to someone again or should he not. Um, I could see where he may really want to tackle that. And if the third movie is definitely his last movie, then he has to make sure that's going to happen. Well, it's very interesting well, that you brought that the, up. The other elephant in the room here, too, which is that Andrew Garfield isn't coming back for a fourth one. Yeah, he's kind and of so been gonna like They're going to have to decide how they want to how they want to tackle that in the next one. Does Miles that mean, Morales, like, and that's exactly where I'm going. Well, let, well, okay, gentlemen, I will stop you right there and tell you that that's not going to happen. How do I know that's not going to happen? Our good old friend, this is what I wanted to talk about. Avi Arad has said no Miles Morales. This, this is the biggest mistake this man can possibly, possibly make. I kind of I understand where he's coming from, but it's one of the worst mistakes ever. Now, let's give people a little bit of a backstory here as to who Miles Morales is for those who might not read comics uh, like we do. Uh, who wants that? 
I'll just uh, I'll give people like the twenty five cent version here, okay. and just say uh, Marvel's primary universe is called the six one six universe. But like uh, DC and Marvel both have alternative universes, and the Ultimate Universe, which is like twenty one forty two or something. But anyway, the Ultimate Universe was sort of this separate world right. where creators could tackle uh, all the heroes in a totally different way and do anything they wanted there because it didn't affect the six one six in the Ultimate Universe. Peter Parker. Died Died and a young, uh, half Puerto Rican, half African American boy named Miles Morales, who's about fourteen. I mean, he's really young, which uh, they do get he's to take spider. Okay, so I'll say twelve. Yeah, he's a little and, kid. Uh, and you know, gee, if they hurry up and get on that, maybe they can get uh, Will Smith's kid to be Miles Morales. But no, anyway, no, 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 uh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> so Miles Morales becomes the new Spider-Man, and he has uh, slightly different powers than Peter Parker, which is interesting. And uh, one of the things that people at Marvel once said was there was no way that the 616 Spider-Man would ever meet the ultimate uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man, and yet we had the Amazing Spider-Man or whatever a couple years back. So that lets me know that no matter what a via rod says, uh, in a you know in four to five to six years, so what? It, it's all going to be different. Possibly. He may not even be in the position he's in. He may, you know, who knows what's going to happen in five or six years, which is what we're talking about before a fourth movie comes around probably. Very true. But I, I think that would be – I think it's a great way to go about, you know, kind of cycling through – and it's comics. So, you know, Peter Parker can die. We have Miles Morales come in. And, you know, we can bring P Peter back at any time. And, you know, it's, it's comic books. And, hey, depending on how they uh, cast Doc Ock, we could always go superior for the next three movies. Oh, my gosh. I don't even want to get into that <laughs> whole mess. That's Man, we're just be awesome. We're just going to be breaking our, our, our noob listeners' heads if we, we start going into that whole backstory. But look, why don't we – look, if, if, if we're going in the nerd hole, we should go into the nerd hole. I mean, really. I mean, yeah, we can touch on it, you know. Like, just well. touch on it. True. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about uh, certain things. I have some notes. I have notes. Yeah, let's let's hey. talk about some particulars of the movie here. Why we did or didn't like it, and what we did and didn't like, because it's fun to talk about uh, uh, what might happen in the fourth movie. But maybe we should talk. Let's <laughs> talk about the one that we got. The second. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, uh, one of the things that I like, I said before, I I really enjoy the fact that Spider-Man is still very quippy. He's he's. This is the most Spider-Man Spider-Man has ever been. I am absolutely in love with the costume. This is the best Spider-Man costume we've ever had. It's back to its original uh, kind of form and shape and everything. It, this is the first time it's really looked like nice cloth. It's actually you know something that he could have made and not a Hollywood prop. Uh, the eyes are super big, which I'm a huge fan of. I, 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 Todd McFarlane Spider-Man is one of my favorite Spider-Mans. Now I don't want him and, quite and it that makes big. Sense practically, it's going to give him better peripheral vision and exactly. things like that than the smaller eyes did. So I, I really enjoyed that, uh, and also with that mask, uh, unlike the Raimi films, uh, you know, Mark Webb has the guts to keep Spider-Man's bloody mask on. Yes. Oh, that was that so bothered me with every one of Raimi's Spider-Man films was there was something that would damage the mask so we could see the actor's face and acting. We don't really need that. This movie proved that you can do that and do it well and not have to worry about what's he look like underneath. He looks like the same guy as what he looks like. So just let him go with it, okay? 
That's and uh, something too that Mark Webb has to deal with that Sam Raimi didn't so much is is the three D kind of market, which is where a ton of money's coming from for these movies nowadays. And it's a little bit easier to do some of those effects too if the mask stays on and you can blend your CGI, your stuntman, and your actor together Mm -hmm. a little more seamlessly that way. And I'll say this: uh, go ahead, Sean. I, I also like the the feet. I like the feet of the costume because it's got treads and it's got a sole to it. You know, mm-hmm. um, it always it always bugged me that he wasn't he, he had he had no protection on his feet. It was just like socks. I yeah. Liked that. But uh, yeah. yeah, one of the uh, I, I really enjoyed that kind of stuff. I I liked how uh, this they very much kind of continued on the uh, the fact that Peter is a very smart guy. Uh, that's another thing that I thought was very lacking from the Raimi stuff. You had a little bit of it, but not a ton. Uh, these movies, the two Amazing Spider-Man movies, have really talked about. Hey, look, they've they've not, not they've shown you. They didn't just tell you, hey, Peter's a smart guy. We see him developing, you know, web shooters in the first one. We see him testing out the th- different things that are, you know, how he's going to help these web shooters yeah, to go against but- Electro. But I'll, I'll disagree just a little bit there because there's the scene where he's watching a YouTube video to understand how a battery works. And, and you know, Peter Parker understands how a battery works. He <laughs> that's, doesn't need that's to watch for the audience. guy on YouTube. That's for the audience. That's, that's, yeah. that's because otherwise they'd be like, I don't understand what he's doing. You have, that's a spell out for the audience. So that's, I, I don't begrudge them that. I guess you're right. You're right. Most, I most should have pe- looked on, you know, looked to my left, looked to my right, saw who was watching the movie with me. It would have made more sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you normies! Uh, let's see. Uh, I think. I think again, we're doing the best web slinging that we've ever seen in these movies. Yeah, I yeah, gosh, it's so good. Yeah, the sheer joy of him beating up Rhino at the end. Good lord, just terrific. What did you oh, guys boy. think of the kind of uh, Spidey bullet time that went on during the Electro fight scenes? I didn't like it that much. I never have liked that kind of thing. I, you know, it was good once, and that was The Matrix. And then after that, it just makes me think of The Matrix a little too much. Mm-hmm. Even in The Matrix sequels, you know? So uh, that's not my thing, but I understand it. it is a nice effect. And with 3D, you want to really get your money's worth. You know, you want to, to, to make what would be a split second last a little while. <laughs> But see, here's the thing for me. Here's the reason why I like that more than than probably most is to me that it like the whole use of that kind of spidey bullet time really is warranted. It they kind of earn it. And it's not there just to look flashy and cool and stuff. It really is to illustrate how fast this guy's reflexes are, how he's thinking about everything and how in just a split second could, you know, it's it's very much how if they do a flash movie, how they need to do a lot of flash stuff is kind of the whole world is slow and it's called here's what I'm calculating here's this point here's this point here's this point I got to do this I got to do this I got to do this and ramp it up to real time it's like that boom and just yeah, done but, but, so I think it totally warrants that I mean you shouldn't do it all the time granted but I think yeah, like a big it, scene like that it, it totally earned it for me but in the first one, I also like those parts where people would shoot at him and they wouldn't slow it down. They would just show him moving side to side and you'd see the bullets in the wall behind him. I mean, there was something, I don't know, something both I liked the, about both the, totally the, work, for sure. the realism to that effect, too. So I guess it, it's a little bit, uh, maybe you just need to mix it in the right amounts and it's going to appeal to me a little bit better. All right. Anything else you guys uh, really dug? Really dug? Um, yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of things. I, I, I like how... Um, uh, the the Harry Osborne character 
they they kind of touch on what we've seen before with the Raimi stuff, and they don't get into it too much. I thought that that was handled pretty deftly, um, and I like how uh, the actor and I'm gonna screw up his name, and we even had that conversation about him earlier. Uh, Dane Dehan Dehane. Mm-hmm. Um, he 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 pretty much is the perfect guy to play against Andrew Garfield because he's he's a bit off like Andrew Garfield is you know like the the shape of his head is off like like Andrew Garfield's <laughs> head like there's, there's something <laughs> off about their heads and it's and the casting was really nice for that the the casting just all and, around and, like, oh. and just huh? his natural look just uh, the natural look of Dahan or Dahan I honestly believe that he uh, has an incurable disease just <laughs> his general build <laughs> Yeah, that kid needs some calcium for sure. <laughs> uh, definitely, if you haven't seen uh, Chronicle, watch Chronicle. He's in that movie. Uh, it's a great. Oh, he's the bad guy in Chronicle. Yeah, he is. Uh, oh, he's so good book. in that movie. That's a great comic book movie. That's not a comic book movie, but it is. Uh, well, uh, I mean, it gave us Michael B. Jordan, and now it's given us the Green Goblin. So we've yeah. got Johnny Storm and the Green Goblin coming out of it. That's one of those movies that you're like, oh, an MTV picture. Why would I really? No, definitely go it's check it out. Movie. It's 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 uh, it's so fun, yeah, and really- and very well done. And for for something that's a found footage thing, really using dynamic camera angles and having a reason to use them, so intelligent. Uh, let's see, uh, just a couple other things. Uh, I, I love how we've continued on with the Gwen relationship. I think I said it before, uh, Mark Webb's kind of dealing with this relationship and everything. It's, it's as good as you'll see in any of these kind of regular romantic movies, but we got Spider-Man in it. Now he, he's a little creepy from time to time going, you know, I've been watching you from the ledge. That's a little creepy, but you know it's all in good fun. I, I think you know she she understands why he's kind of stalking her to a degree. Has she looked in a mirror? She's she's very attractive. <laughs> and and I don't know if I somehow managed to work this into the conversation on the uh, Winter Soldier podcast that we did. I know I've I've said it to someone before, but I honestly think they should just uh, dye Emma Stone's hair red and bring her back as uh, Mary Jane in the third movie because she's so good. <laughs> I'm all for that. Now, speaking of Mary Jane, I was going to say this earlier, how you guys talk about like the uh, the next movie having to deal with Mary Jane. Uh, they actually shot a scene with Mary Jane that ended up on the cutting room floor for this. And, uh, and, and judging by you two and myself, I can say we're all for the better. Because I've yeah, seen the lady that so. they casted for uh, Mary Jane, and um, she, she, looks like, she looks like a farm girl. You gotta like, you know. I'm sorry, but I I don't want I don't want like you know my Mary Jane to be like face it, Tiger. You just hit the pick three. You won forty dollars. Congratulations. I don't want that. <laughs> She's got to be a soap opera like actress, right? Shoot. You got to win the <laughs> jackpot. Okay, all right. And now I don't know how I didn't see I didn't see the other woman, so I can't say how well her acting is. But uh, what's what's the um what's what's the uh, Sports Illustrated chick? The, Kate Upton. Kate Upton. If that oh, chick opened up the door and said hello, I'd be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna who, Gwen who? <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know oh, who we're wow. talking about. I mean, Emma I, she might be a crap actor. I don't know, but she could act. Yeah, <laughs> I don't she's know a very good actor. Like I said, I don't know. I don't look. I didn't see. I ain't seen Kate Upton act, so I don't know if she can act. She might not. She, she yeah, she's just, in that Cameron Diaz movie that's out right now. Yeah, Maybe the you other. Should go check that out and cover it on the film find. I had tickets. I had like preview tickets to go see it, but I didn't. I, I didn't go see it. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm what sure did, her, I'm, I'm sure her queen's accent is really spot on. Oh, too. Yeah. 
Speaking of Queens. All right, guys, uh, let's get into some things that you might not have liked about this film. You know, there's one thing that sticks out to me big time, and, and this is the one thing I wanted to say more than anything else, and it has to be uh, the, the inconsistent tone with the film a little bit. I mean, they're clearly influenced by Marvel Studios and maybe even just a touch of Nolan. They want to be a little more real world, a little more serious. It ends on a very dark note that I could see almost uh, Nolan-esque, you could say. Uh, but but the thing that got me was the development of Max Dillon. I mean, when Jamie Foxx is running around with Max Dillon, I felt like it was a character out of a Schumacher Batman film. I mean, it had a, a real Edward Nigma, Jim Carrey feel to it before he becomes Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was half Electro. expecting. I was half expecting. Nope, kind of cut out there, Sean. Uh, I, I was half expecting for uh, uh, Jamie Foxx's Max Dillon character once he becomes Electro. To hop back into the high, the, to the high water pants and the, and the yeah. glasses still. And, and I, really I had no, yeah, I had no problem with him once he became Doctor Manhattan. Like I said a minute ago, mm -hmm. but uh, mm -hmm. uh, the, and I'm making that mistake on purpose. But but the 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 Max Dillon character is just a little bit ridiculous. And if you are not a little bit, he's over the top ridiculous. But if you are going to go over the top ridiculous to have a guy who's throwing himself a birthday party, he's pretending that he's talking to Spider-Man, you know, when he's home by himself eating that tiny little cake. You could even have a just a throwaway scene almost where he goes, hey, Spider-Man, I want to be your partner. And I even made a costume and having put on the goofy electro mask from like the Silver Age comics with the lightning bolts coming out <laughs> oh, of that's it. that's good. Just to give us, you know, a second of screen time with that mask on him. Oh my gosh. I don't know how anyone could pull that mask off. But <laughs> a lot of yeah, that is Jamie Foxx's character, the whole the whole the whole thing with Electro. That's a lot of people's uh, uh big problem with this movie is he's a go they say he's just he's a bit too goofy, which in some ways I understand. But one of the things that this movie is getting a lot of flack for, which I completely do not see, is they're saying there's no story in this. There's no development. His uh you know, there's no character development. I'm like, it's all character development. and Yeah, it, it's definitely there. It does happen a little quick, though. Yeah, but at the same time, people are mad at this guy. They're just like, oh, so people don't like him, and all of a sudden he's just going to become this evil superhero character. Well, you guys didn't say that when, you know, Buddy did it in The Incredibles. You know, everyone clapped right. at that and said it was a great right. job. This is the exact same thing, and I think it's one of those great things that makes a, a good supervillain is somebody that goes through, he was just a regular normal kind of guy who just wanted a little bit of respect for what he did. And really, if you look back at it, Spider-Man may have been the guy to trip him into being Electra, really, because he gave him that kind of false sense of, hey, you're doing a great job, buddy, keep it up that he probably really didn't deserve but you know it was just that one little thing to kind of push him over the edge to go you know what i'm somebody i'm worth it maybe i can kind of go beyond this stage of everybody's just kind of crapping on me constantly and i thought that was really good so like there was a reason for him to be angry there was a reason for him to kind of lash out at people and want to get even because he wanted to be noticed he wanted to be you know applauded for the things that he did and i think that makes for a great superhero backstory and i'm mad at people who are just going it's nothing it, it just it's 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 nothing he's just a guy and uh, you know the Times square confrontation i could see that being done just a little bit differently i wouldn't have had a problem if spider-man really did just straight up double cross him you know say come on let's go away from these people and talk and then take him into like 
a, a rubber blanket that's very insulated and send him off to the cops. And then in Ravencroft is when he really gets to be evil rather than right there because all of a sudden somebody shot at him. He just flips that switch. And, and also, I don't like the fact that he was defeated by a fire hose because that's how you beat Sandman. That's not how you beat Electro. So that <laughs> kind of got me, too. Yeah, I was a little confused on some of, some of the methods that they used to kind of disarm these guys. But yeah, I love Spider-Man in the fireman's helmet. That's straight oh, that out was of awesome. the Silver Age comics. That was pretty damn funny. The uh, the other thing, too, is the eels. He falls into the tank with the eels. Ridiculous. I'm not sure yeah, you why might as, that would happen. You might as well have Michelle Pfeiffer being licked by cats again, you know? Back <laughs> oh, to, my God, so bad. Awful. And that's what I kept going back to is that it really felt very Schumachery with the blue, the blue neon and, and that's the that's them. that's the only part of the movie that feels that way too. And and I know that they could have done a better job. I, I think Jamie Fox is a good enough of an actor that he could have uh, been meek and humble without being over the top. I think you really could have been like the accountant that's kind of quiet and forgotten and and played it a little bit better. I mean, I, I have to blame direction on that. And it almost feels like a too many cooks in the kitchen situation. It, my guess it is does. it probably is a lot of that. I mean, like I said before, this is a thing that's not under Marvel's direct purview. So, you know, it, it very much could be a, well, the producer said this. Well, the kids kind of need a little bit more of a cartoony thing. And for heaven's sake, a lot of Electro's kind of uh, score in certain places is very kind of... Very kind of just stupid, silly clown music showing you like, hey, this guy's a dummy. It's, it's kind of sad and a little bit pathetic that you have to kind of go that deep on stuff. But I did like some of the music where it was kind of like his inner thoughts and stuff and very dubstepy And uh, like it's where dubstep actually can work because it's all electric. <laughs> and, and, the, the, to, me, to me with Jamie Foxx, and I might be alone here, but he feels like a blue collar version of someone better. Um, I, if I don't, I don't love Jamie Foxx. I never have. I think that he, um, he, he, I think he thinks he's amazing. That's true. <laughs> but I, th- and that's part of my problem with him. Uh, he has a bit of that Lawrence Fishburne quality or a, uh, Kevin Spacey quality where, man, I can't believe the job I am doing right now. I am really, really killing this, this <laughs> role right here. That's but, very true. Uh, I, I still think he could have done a fine job with a little bit better direction, treat the property a different way. I mean, they did such a good job developing Harry into the Green Goblin. I really felt like that was done so much better than Max Dillon getting to Electro. But wouldn't it have been better if we really saw that over the full course of a movie? Yes, yes, and, yes, it would have. And another thing that, that I had a problem with is, like, how does uh, Norman Osborn basically tag team his... Uh, you know, illness onto his son, just going. Hey, by the way, I was your age when uh, this started developing. By the way, it's going to overtake you in about a week and a half. And I'll also, I'll just go ahead and you know, add a little bit here, a little bit from the medical inside, I guess. But uh, retroviral hyperplasia is just like techno babble, only with medical terms. Uh, <laughs> so that that kind of bugged me just a little bit too, because it's meaningless. It's yeah, like saying well, that's a red from thing. You're suffering from <laughs> you're suffering from something big, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I don't understand how the spider venom's supposed to help him. That's another continuity issue I have. Like I said, I've only seen the first movie the one time, and maybe I missed something. But at this movie, at the beginning, they're showing them uh, gassing and, and exterminating all the spiders before uh, Richard Parker runs off. 
and and the spiders aren't around, but the venom still is. But didn't one of the spiders bite Peter in the last movie, which was after Richard had already left the scene? So he should have. I, I got a little confused there with what spiders exactly did Richard kill before he left. And also when Richard says the human DNA that I injected into those spiders was my own, my mind went to not the best of places on how he went about injecting his <laughs> DNA into those spiders too. It's dirty. Uh, but no, I, I I agree. I don't understand where a lot of that comes through. I don't know why it needed to be included at all i think it's just they were kind of like a you know a kind of you got the special uh you got the special sauce the special ingredient inside of you so don't worry that's how you turn to be spider-man but anybody else that injects it it's not going to be anybody else which i read somewhere and i'd completely agree with this is that it turns spider-man uh in from i could this could have happened to anybody to it was fated to be peter parker yeah, sort of like yeah. RoboCop. They tried it again with other cops, and it didn't work out quite so yes. well. Yes, and so it to me that kind of stinks that it does that because the nice, the cool thing with Spider-Man is it's one of those. Hey, it could have been any of those kids on the field trip, but it happened to get onto him and bite him. So he was the one that became Spider-Man. And you know, as this story puts it out, eh, no, that kid probably would have just died a weird, you know, hyper mutated death of some sort. I don't know. And and let's be honest, I mean, as many people as there are wandering around Oscorp, uh, Peter wasn't the first person to get stung by one of those spiders, you know? Yeah, they probably would, but, but they would have just died. I don't know. It's it's kind of, it's a little weak writing, The whole idea, yeah, the whole idea that uh, Har- Harry got fixated on Spider-Man's blood, though, does work well to introduce the antagonism, since we're not take you know, since Norman Osborn's pretty much uh, taken out of the picture, you have to explain why does Harry suddenly hate his best friend. So it did work from that respect. But there is another issue too is that why does Norman Osborne have a southern accent? <laughs> Cuz he's Chris Man. Cooper dog. Cuz he's it. Chris Cooper. He's yeah. Academy Award winner Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper yeah. is a fantastic actor but he's like yeah. Harry come on over here. <laughs> I want to tell you what your is your hand shaking Harry. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. We have two Oscar winning actors in this and they both kind of gave kind of man performances. That's that's interesting. Well, well we all know Jimmy Fox probably fooled people with Ray. I mean, it just uh, one of those right time, right place kind of situations. Uh, agreed. Uh, let's see. and Sally Field's in it too. That's three. Oh, that's three. I forgot Sally Field, but who was fantastic in this movie? In the trailers, where Sally Field says, uh, or when when Peter walks up to Sally Field, and goes, uh, "I know you're holding back something. I know you have a secret." I wanted her to go. You're right. I do. I was also in Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome. I yeah. used to be smoking hot. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I got old. But uh, no, she was great in this movie. I, I love I love having a younger Aunt May. I, every time you see... I, and, 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 I mean, it's all the way back to the original, you know, Spider-Man, uh, Ditko Lee run. Where Aunt May's always like ninety eight years old and on her deathbed. She was on her deathbed in like issue six, man. She was right. right. She was gone from the get go. Uh, but I, I liked kind of the Ultimates yeah. version where it's like, hey, look, oh, she's you know a little what? more I sprightly. Think, you know what? Go ahead. Hey, so, I just thought of how uh, who the uh, hero could be in Sinister Six. All right. Uh, uh, Spider Man's amazing friend. <laughs> That's who. Yes. It is. It's going to be Human Torch, and it's going to be uh, that. No, I'm sorry, Iceman and the lady who is basically the Human Torch with the stupid mask. Firestar. Firestar. 
Which brings yes. us to an interesting point. Now, so we'll kind of wrap this up. Um, Marvel Studios uh, specifically has had kind of a great history ever since Iron Man of giving us great post-credit codas. And um, a couple other films, a lot of other films have gone that, and it's really gotten to a big giant thing of uh, darn near everybody stays in the theater uh, for the post-roll credits and stuff. Uh, but this one didn't do that in the way that we all thought we might have. Now, I've heard it's different for some theaters for, uh, than, than it is in other ones. But why on earth did they just decide to throw in, in the scene middle of for the credits, X-Men? essentially? Yeah. That makes I, no sense to me. I was boggled. I'm like, what? They totally missed the point. I mean, I, I think they totally missed the point of why those are even there in the first place. But uh, I also understand they feel this need to uh, uh, try to keep up with the Joneses as far as what's been going on with Marvel Studios and also to give people uh, the idea that they're part of something bigger, which they really aren't. Uh, but it, I think it was just a waste of my time and everyone else's. I think it honestly shows everyone else is scared because you have to remember – 20th Century Fox owns X-Men. Sony owns Spider-Man. These are two companies that are not, you know, simpatico on everything. So they went, so Sony went to 20th Century Fox or vice versa and said, hey, we want to put some of your stuff in our stuff so we can get people going to, you know, to, to go like, oh, here's the big thing that we're talking about. And I really, between that and like the Sinister Six and stuff, it all very much screams the, you know, Marvel studioification, if I can coin a word, of the comic book uh, movies. And I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about this in future episodes. But where everybody, it seems they should, they're just scrambling to catch up to what Marvel's done. And of course, DC's doing the exact same thing. And everyone's trying to skip to the finish line instead of running the entire race like they're supposed to. Well, that's yeah. the problem, is, is exactly that. Because the thing with Marvel is that there's one dude, everything goes through that one dude, whereas Sony and Fox and even DC, everything's by committee. And, you know, that one dude is a prick, but that one dude gets it done. And yeah. that's the difference. That's the big difference between all of this. Well, uh, uh, and what really gets me is they had the perfect mid credit scene. That whole rhino face-off would have just been so awesome if it was popping up unexpectedly in the, in the middle of the credits yeah. rather than where it is. And can we talk just a bit about Rhino before we finish up sure here? Sure thing. We haven't really, you know, I, like I said, I've seen the movie twice, and the first time that I saw it, I totally didn't recognize uh, Paul Giamatti in the, uh, in the introductory scene, you know, where he's really? driving the... Yeah, I don't know how I missed you, it. You're not the only one. My dad called me up because he saw it, like, on Friday. He called me up, and, he, and he, he was the exact same thing. He didn't even realize it was him until the end. And then, you know, I went to see it the second time when I knew what was going to happen, and I, I totally don't know how I didn't recognize him the first time. But the, the barbed wire tattoo, the bald head, I didn't even look at the face. It's one of those things. I was watching <laughs> Spider-Man. I thought this was just random throwaway thug, and I knew they would be linked somehow to Rhino because they were Russian, but I didn't really catch it till the end when all of a sudden it makes sense when they actually show the picture as mugshot on the computer. And then I look and go, whoa, whoa, that's Giamatti. And then he shows up as the Rhino. But, man, they really promoted Rhino in the trailers. I mean, they, they really promoted Rhino in the trailers, and I just created this, this, this very 
sympathetic character in my mind. I just imagine like uh, this uh, young boy, maybe he's 16, 17 years old, maybe a little bit younger, who's a first-generation American, born to Russian immigrants. Growing up, his favorite character has always been Rhino. He sees these trailers. He's saved up his quarters that he gets left over from, I don't know, working at uh, the grocery store around the corner. He finally has 20 bucks so he can go see it in 3D and buy some popcorn, and this is what he gets. And he just gets down on his knees and screams, I hate you! I hate America! And we've got another enemy now. Now Bruce, here's is that boy... No, no, I was not a first-generation American. <laughs> it turns into Paul well, Harvey. <laughs> yes. when, you had, when you had that moment, when you had that moment where you were like, uh, and he's saving up his quarters, shining shoes. <laughs> <laughs> no, he works at a grocery store, and he only gets what people drop out of their pocket or something. I don't know. But he's, I just picture this guy. complicated backstory. He's got I a, picture your guy has more complicated backstory than, <laughs> than Electro. Than- <laughs> For, forget Green Goblin and everything. That is that's the that's the most impossible person of all. The guy who whose <laughs> favorite Rhino. character is Rhino. <laughs> I just picture him. He's got his rhino T-shirt on. He's got like a prosthetic horn on top of his head. He's like standing. He goes to stand in line four hours before the movie starts, and he's the only one there. And he's dressed like rhino. And he gets in, and this is all the rhino he gets. He's the because I'll, I'll be kid. honest. The the trailers made me expect more rhino. Finally, finally, it's my time to shine. Rhino's on screen. <laughs> For the past 20 years, I've been watching all these superhero films, and they've all been disappointing, but this one, my time to shine. <laughs> and, and I've got a question for you, Adam. You, you, you watch a lot more films than I do in general. And is, is Giamatti a good actor, or is he like Jamie Foxx, where he fooled us once or twice? Uh, I think, given the right material, uh, he can be a fantastic actor. Uh, I think he can do what a lot of other uh, uh, great actors of his ilk can do at certain times, which is certainly chew a lot of scenery. But Boy. can be fun at watching that. It's like, it's like Pacino. Pacino chews scenery like nobody's business, but oftentimes kind of gets to that line where it's just like, one more step and I'll be over to where it's ridiculous. But I'm kind of going to ride this line so much that you're going to just, it, you love it. Because I know, as far as I can remember, I've only seen him in one other comic book movie, but I absolutely loved what he did there. And uh, this was just a little ridiculous. It, What's the other comic book movie he's in? American Splendor. The, he plays oh, Harvey. Oh, yeah, yeah, Star. yeah. Yeah. American, well, you comic, comic book movie about comic books, I suppose. <laughs> comic book. And it's a comic yeah, it's a, <laughs> the comic was an autobiography, and then they made a yeah, movie so out of the comic. Yeah, it's kind of all around. I mean, it's it, it's this, and that. An ironic black hole opened. All reality was sucked into it. <laughs> no! All right, everybody. I guess that is, that'll kind of wrap it up for our first episode of the Hero Movie Podcast. Uh we're, this show, like I said at the beginning, this is going to be kind of a once-a-month show. Uh, but guess what, kids? You're in luck because in the month of May, we have two superhero movies debuting in theaters. So uh, in, uh, what, one and a half weeks' time, however, I, I'm so horrible with it. Was it the 23rd or something? Anyways, the se- the uh, the Monday right after uh, X-Men Days of Future Past comes out, we're going to get right back on and do this yet again. And then, of course, we'll do a couple of... Uh, uh, yeah, fill-in episodes of uh, some classic uh, superhero movies. I think I want to do like Superman. I got a whole list. We'll talk about it after we're off the air here. But uh, so super exciting. And then of course we have Guardians of the Galaxy come August. And uh, so we still have uh, several movies to go this year. And uh, it's it's going to be a fun time. 
And uh, so with that and everything, uh, let's go over where the uh, anyone else can find you guys' uh, work on the internet this week. Let's go with Bruce. Well, uh, heroesandvillains.libson.com is the place to go. You know, that's where you're going to get everything. It'll have links to anything that I've got going on. Uh, a lot of folks uh, keep in touch with me over Twitter, and that's at HV Podcast. And uh, I'm on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Zoom Marketplace, apparently. I found out that people are downloading my show on Zoom. But uh, yeah, I've got <laughs> uh, 68 episodes up right now, and number 69 comes out on Wednesday following this one, and it's going to be Spawn. So that's one that's a little different from some of the uh, other mm. heroes I've covered. People cool. may want to check it out. I like Spawn up until the issues in the 30s. Sean, what do you got, man? Uh, you can find me at robotjohnson.com or on, on the Facebook, which I'm always on, under Sean Keenan. And I'm almost never on Twitter, but if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at TurboSweet. All right, and of course, uh, I am on Twitter on at Adam Portress, as well as at The Film Find, which is the uh, my other podcast, of which you can find at thefilmfind.com. And of course, you can always go to Heroes, you know, excuse me, HeroMoviePodcast.com. There you'll find the links to follow us on Twitter, uh, like us on Facebook. Please do that so you can keep uh, up to date with everything that we're going to be doing, the stuff that's going to be coming out. And uh, we got some uh, some news coming down the line for the next couple episodes, so uh, we're going to keep that under wraps for right now. But, uh, guys, I, I'm stoked. I, I think we're going to do, I think this is going to be a fun podcast to continue on. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I just I was hoping I was going to get a yes. Um, but uh, if you like the show, or you have anything uh, you'd like to, us to read, or you know your opinions on Spider Man Two, Amazing Spider Man Two, please email us heromoviepodcast at gmail .com. I know there's a lot of detractors out there. If you write us a uh, letter or something, we will most certainly uh, read it on the next episode because that's something that we definitely want uh, with our listeners is some feedback and some back and forth with you guys because uh, you're what's going to make this show happen and be popular and uh, take over the, the, the I don't want to say world. Let's, let's go with the state first, and then we'll kind of uh, we'll branch out from there. City. Uh, yeah, state. state yes. Country. Tri-state region. Omniverse. <laughs> Omniverse. And then, you know, we'll, uh. then who knows? We'll get into the, the 815 and the 1602 yeah, and the you really brought it bruce you really brought it with knowing what the ultimate universe number i don't even is. i don't even yeah. i don't even know what the ultimate number is that's messed up all right i have to bring those up on occasion on my show <laughs> all right everybody that will do it for the inaugural episode of the hero movie podcast for sean keenan bruce leslie i'm adam portress stay super everybody yeah.